0: Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back. CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting. Dodo Birds, leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your brain and Davies. You have consent. And don't forget, while you're here, also go ahead and subscribe to CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. If you haven't already done it, let's get into it. What we got last night, Tuesday night, is another night of chaos in the sport. I want to start in Atlanta. Final score, Georgia Tech, 74, North Carolina, 73, and I don't want to start there because I think that's the biggest story from Tuesday night because I actually think South Carolina winning at Tennessee was the biggest story from Tuesday night. We're going to get to that, but the reason I want to start with Georgia Tech over North Carolina is because it's the latest example of a top 10 team losing on the road to an unranked team this season, which leads us to Norlander's court report. Deadleg, like, you used part of your court report this week to detail how unusually often top 10 teams are losing on the road to unranked teams this season. Could you be so kind as to walk us through what you discovered like a modern-day Ferdinand Magellan?
1: Yeah, not I'm not quite Magellan. Uh <laughs> no, and I'm not going to take uh, I we we had noticed this was this is happening, so it was something that uh you know was kind of floating around my head. But then uh, it was clarified last week. Brandon Ramsey, who writes for Kentucky Sports Radio, put out something um, which had some very interesting data about just how unusually bad top 10 teams were. Again, this is, as I wrote in the court report, there's a very specific corner of college hoops. It was top 10 teams
0: yeah.
1: at the time of being ranked top 10, losing on the road against unranked opponents. So that unranked opponent could be the 26th or 28th or 30th best team, uh, but it's not ranked at the time. And what Brandon Ramsey discovered was that uh, this year compared to the past few years was, was markedly down. Well, then Andrew Weatherman, who's a former Duke men's basketball manager and uh, has done a lot of good stuff, sharing data um, on social media, particularly this season. He went back uh, and scraped all of the information from sports reference from 1950, which is as far back as you can go until now, uh, to determine just how unusual this is. And so, yeah, this is kind of fascinating. Now, And we're going to get to the specific numbers in just one second here. I, I wonder if we're going to eventually bump back up close to what the record low is. Um, but we do have a weird pattern that has, uh, that has been established, and only in the past like five days has actually been better For the top 10 teams, you know, we had Duke didn't lose on the road Monday against uh, Virginia Tech. Houston didn't lose on uh, didn't lose on the road Monday against Texas, which is unranked. And we had even more examples of that, obviously, last night, ironically enough, as we'll get there, Tennessee, a top 10 team lost at home to South Carolina. That doesn't apply in the situation. Tennessee was in its own building. So what Weatherman uncovered was in an average season, an average season from 1950 until last season, if you were a top 10 team, And you played on the road against an unranked opponent. You won 73.3% of the time. All right. That's a pretty good clip. Almost three out of four times. You're doing pretty good, but you're a top 10 team, it makes sense. The lowest ever was 2015, 2016. That's the lowest one ever ever. And that was a 62% hit rate. Still pretty good overall until the past few days. It was less than 40% this season. Now it's gotten above 40. GP's got the actual number updated data after Tuesday night. Um, I, I, I yeah I, I included this in court court because I just find it fascinating as hell. And I do think, although the tournament obviously is played on neutral courts, this is such a low number. And I wonder if we'll eventually get to 50%. I think we will. I'll say like at the end of the season, someone check back with us. I bet you we're like, I'll say 52, 53%, which would still be a record comfortably, comfortably a record. But I almost think this might this might lead to the situation where we've got maybe not a 16 over 1 GP, but multiple... Ones, twos, and threes, like four or five of them, not even making the Sweet 16, which we get every so often. But this just reinforces that to me. Um, the reasons for it, I think, are, are many. But uh, what were your what were your thoughts on, uh, on what we've seen here and, and why this might be the case?
0: Well, first, you're right. We had sort of talked about this like god man it seems like top 10 teams are losing on the road to unranked teams all the time but we never put like pen to paper or, like got the numbers so shouts to brandon ramsey and everybody else who, who dove into this and we'll leave brandon ramsey in charge of this going forward just keep us updated and we'll, we'll just, just every once in a while just send the tweet out and we'll find it and we'll have the numbers so um i'm glad you decided to i'm glad they dove, dove into it and then frankly i might not have even seen it unless you put a big Spotlight that's on it, like what, you that's, do it.
1: Right. that's what the court report is for. Absolutely. <laughs> that's
0: what the court report is for. Sometimes people ask me, GP, what's the court report for, and I say, "What do I say? Tell me again. You tell me." <laughs> Light on things that people otherwise might not know. There you go. Yeah, so that's what the court report's for, dummy. So um I read the court report. I go, okay, well, th- this sounds like, a-. and then I see North Carolina lose in the final 10 seconds and by the way i know nada's got that highlight nathan george in the final 10 seconds you want to watch a <laughs> you want to watch a a, a a layup with almost no resistance decide a basketball game let's do it together let's see it
2: so if you got a-
0: that. A- caught in this high pick and roll now the shot clock at five george drives goes and scores tracks on top 7.7 7.
2: Hubert Davis wants a timeout. 4.6 to go. How about the freshman from Toronto, Nathan George? The kid has ice in his
0: veins, R.D. That's a lot of bounces just to get to the rim. It, it was.
1: Now, Baycock got an, got an arm up, uh, and credit to a freshman for, for getting that done. Nathan George with a huge shot there, but... Top ten team, right. on the road. Another one bites the dust.
0: So when I watch that, I'm like, all right, this is part. I know how we start. In Iowa. I couldn't get into the podcast prep document fast enough to let you know how we're going to open the the Ion College Basketball Podcast. So then I go, I go to Brandon Ramsey's original tweet from last Friday morning, and I just start updating the numbers. Brandon had it last Friday morning, seventeen and twenty seven. That was the record. Top ten teams on the road against unranked opponents. We didn't have any such games on Friday night. Go to Saturday, number three, North Carolina, one at Florida State, number five, Tennessee, one at Vandy, number six, Kentucky, one at Arkansas, number eight, Auburn lost at Mississippi State, number nine, Arizona wins at Oregon. That's four and one for top ten teams on the road against unranked teams on Saturday. Congrats to them. Sunday number 2 Purdue wins at Rutgers, that's 1 and 0. Monday number 4 Houston wins at Texas, Duke at Virginia Tech. We've detailed that. 2 and 0 on Monday. Tuesday, number 3 North Carolina loses at Georgia Tech. Number 9 Marquette wins at Villanova. That's 1 and 1. Add it up. AP top 10 teams are now 25 and 29 on the road against unranked opponents this season. That's 46.3% winning percentage. It's 27 percentage points lower than the historical average. It is still 15.7 percentage points lower than the all time worst 2015,
1: 2016, 62%. Yeah. How about that? We'll see if, uh, if this winds up continuing to trend up for these top 10 teams, uh, I I think that it will slightly, but I don't I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to eclipse that uh, that all time low number from just uh, eight seasons ago. Um, I did have a couple of theories in the good
0: because I I on a very surface level. Yeah, I tried to dive into it and like, well, let me look at this and let me look at this and let me look at this. Nothing just jumps out. Sometimes when you start looking for data points, there's it just pops out at you Mm -hmm. in a very surface level. What's the best explanation for this? I didn't see anything that just jumped off the page.
1: I don't have a uh, A, full-on ABCDEFG explanation for you, but I do think there are a few things that are at play here. I do think that uh, still being... Now, even though this wasn't the case the past two seasons, I understand that. uh, Still having a bonus COVID year, I think probably has some sort of tangible impact where teams on average are as old as they've ever been because you have so many guys that are 22, 23, 24 years old still playing college basketball. I got to figure that plays a part. I also think when you've got, um, the Big 12, which has 11 teams that are trying to stay in that NCAA tournament conversation. The Big 12 is the best league in the country. You're not going to have 11 teams ranked. You're not going to have 9 teams ranked. You're not going to have 7 teams ranked. So you're going to have a lot of these good teams going on the road playing a top 30 team for the metrics, but they're not a top 25 team for the poll. And you might take some losses there. I think that also uh, plays, it plays an impact as well. And uh, I, I think I think because the top of the sport, and we have mentioned this before, I think because the top of the sport is not as reliable one through 13, 14, 15, whatever you want to say, like it's, it's good. I'm not going to say there's no great teams. Trust me. We still got plenty of time to get there and hell we might, we might already see a couple of them right now. Three of them. In fact, Houston, UConn, and Purdue, but on balance, um, your fifth best team, your eighth best team, your 12th best team just might be a notch below what we've seen. So that, you know, maybe that adds up to, uh, well, that team lost, you know, Carolina top five team right now. It's a good team. It's top five team in the poll. Um, but if it was a top five team in an average year, does it lose at a uh, sub 500 Georgia Tech team? You know, that kind of stuff. So that mm-hmm. might have some a little bit in the aggregate as well. There are probably other factors. Um, and and one more was, and uh, Torvik actually tweeted this out recently. Uh, and I've seen a few, uh, I think Palmer, I might've mentioned it as well we are pacing toward the most efficient offensive season in the modern era, which, which means the most offensive uh, efficient offensive season ever because of the three point shot. Um, there's no chance that there was, you know, even though we don't have the data for it that, you know, 1977, 78 was a more offensive uh, efficient season because there was a three point shot and, uh, and teams didn't, uh, didn't uh, shoot nearly as well if you look back historically there. So because of that, across the board, GP, having better offenses. Now, it plays both ways. Can uh, impact a top 10 team the way same way it might benefit a team that's, you know, 60, 70, 80 overall. But maybe maybe there's something in that tide that is uh, that is affecting that overall. So those are just a few thoughts as to why we are, we are where we are. But nonetheless, we are here and top 10 teams are getting snipered at a level
0: and rate we have never seen before. I think... Where you started is probably the most likely explanation for this because, you know, we've had these stretches where like Houston, which is number one in most computers, you know, they lost, I think, two straight road games to unranked opponents when they were in the top 10. But if you go look at it now, those two opponents are both ranked Mm -hmm. and Iowa State is in the top 10 so the dynamics of those matchups have changed subsequently where you started was are these top 10 teams going on the road and maybe yeah playing unranked teams but buddy these are good teams these are they might be not be in the top 25 ap poll but they're top 30 in the computers top 40 in the computer i think we've seen maybe more of that than we normally have and i'd be curious to to And this seems like the type of thing that would be very difficult to research and in some cases impossible because you mentioned the database goes all the way back to 1950. I don't think we're going to have access to point spreads all the way back to 1950 or 60 or even 70 or wherever. Um, But I, I wonder what you would find if you could really dive into it and look at what do I have the numbers at? Right now, 25 and 29. So there's been 39, 49, 54 such games this season. There's been 54 times this season where a top 10 AP team has gone on the road and played a team that's unranked in the AP poll. What are the point spreads in those games? Are they smaller than normal? Is the gap between these two teams, the Mm -hmm. top 10 teams and the unranked teams, broadly speaking, is the gap between them smaller than it normally is? I bet you would find out it is uh
1: quick thought on the game um uh gr- good one for georgia tech uh rj davis was the only carolina player in double figures we'll focus like we can have a quick thought on carolina here but you know we got real hear. quick
0: real quick just because uh, thought in the chat do we do we agree nice right. no call i don't need a whistle I don't, yeah
1: i'm not gonna get listen I, I, every so often on the show i am willing wanting to discuss an officiating issue this ain't that game right. sorry just not that game whatsoever. Uh, don't get yourself caught in a one possession game on the road against the sub 500 team. Uh, I was fine with, with the no call there. If you're a Carolina fan, I get it, but whatever, I'm not that concerned about it. Um, and we we're gonna trust me. We got UNC chatter to get to on the next show. Kind of a big game waiting this Saturday. Um, it's the first time since 2007 Georgia Tech has defeated Duke and Carolina in the in the same regular season. Congrats to Damon Stoudemire. This team only 10 and 11, but has wins over Duke, Carolina, at Clemson, and against Mississippi State. That's just good building blocks for year one. Like maybe you wind up playing a spoiler in the ACC tournament. In fact. um, this is about a minute-long clip or so, but I sent it to Nada because I wanted... It, you can hear it, obviously, if you're listening to the pod, but if you're watching on YouTube, uh, thanks for joining. It, you can see at the start of this, Damon Stoudemire is, is very emotional. And I just wanted to highlight this because it's sh- it, it... Georgia Tech's not going to the tournament, barring a miracle run, obviously, in the ACC tournament. And, um, and it's had a few nice wins that's actually caused it to be relevant in terms of us talking about it and, and getting a little bit of shine for taking some unexpected victories there. But uh, I always appreciate when we get these peeks into the locker room and, you know, Damon Stoudemire has been around basketball for a while, but I wouldn't say he's a really a well-known personality, um, despite having been a longtime NBA player and all that. And uh, you could see just how much the win meant to him here in that locker room by nature of, you know, you beat Duke and Carolina in the same year. Nada, why don't you fire up this, uh, this postgame celebration and speech from Damon after last night?
2: nobody sees the way nobody sees the way I lean on you guys I'm hard on you I really am I'm hard on you but I'm hard on you for a reason and these these, these are tears of joy because I put y'all through that shit ain't easy man I know it's not easy I know it's not easy and I know how these games are they f***ing wars they f***ing wars man that's how they are but to get to where we're trying to get, you got to experience, got to experience it, okay? Because a lot of them games have went the other way, <clears throat> but you guys stuck together, and that's why we was able to get that win, man. I'm proud of each and every one of y'all. love y'all. Bring it in. Yeah.
0: I love it. Um, yeah, you know, Damon's a, a few years older than me. So my introduction to him is obviously as a college basketball player. I mean, I guess a a elite high school prospect is when I first heard of him. And then he goes to college and he's a star. And then I guess the summer after my senior year of high school, he's a top 10 pick in the draft. And I watch his career unfold. Um, Ultimately, he ends up playing for the Grizzlies in Memphis. He ends up as an assistant coach with the Grizzlies in Memphis, ends up as an assistant coach on Josh Pastor's staff with the Tigers in Memphis. My point is I I didn't know Damon at all, and then I got to know him a little bit. And first impressions aren't always everything, but they're often important. I remember meeting him and going, wow, this guy's really impressive. Like he's, I don't even mean to be dismissive of like what stereotypes and stuff, but I just, it wasn't like, oh yeah, as a former NBA player, who's trying to get into coaching, it just felt like, man, this guy's sharp, really impressive. And for a long time, I thought he was headed for, I, I, for a long time, I thought he'd either eventually be an NBA head coach or a high major coach at the division one level. I was just consistently impressed with him. And, uh, you're exactly right. I, You know, I don't know where Georgia Tech is going this season, but I think when you are trying to establish a culture, trying to, uh, you know, put your stamp on things, it, it is helpful, even in a not so great year, to have moments like that moment. And they've got a few of them so far this season. And, um, you know, that, that Georgia Tech job is historically a tough job, I think tougher than people realize. You, you think Georgia Tech and Atlanta and you remember these big moments, mm-hmm. you know, Marbury and, uh, you know, they're playing in a national championship game against UConn and Paul Hewitt's the coach. You remember these moments, but the, there hasn't really been a lot of consistent success there. It's, it is historically a tough job, but – um I'd bet on Damon Stoudamire. I, I believe in that guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, final thought. Then we'll, we'll take a break and move on to the rest of the results here. Uh, th- th- what he's done so far, and in Georgia Tech, I think had gone two and eight in its previous ten, something like that, I believe. Um, so there's been a lot of losing, but the wins are are certainly uplifting. The ones they've got. And if you told me that he, like, we look up in a year, and then he's got Georgia Tech top five in the ACC, now that seems. Something that's on the table. You know, maybe six weeks ago, I wouldn't have thought, "Ah, I don't know about that. Year two, Georgia Tech. But you're seeing a lot of evidence there. He was a surprise hire when he got the Georgia Tech job. Might just be the perfect hire and the perfect place. You're right. That is a tough job historically. But it's not as tough as another one. And that's South Carolina. Picked up a humongous win, arguably, and I'll explain this after the break, Arguably the most valuable win of any team so far this season. We're going to get into that after the break. But first, Nada, can we
2: get a word from our partners? Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: All right, Deadleg. Handful of interesting results from the past couple of nights. Let's start with Tuesday night in Knoxville. Final sore, South Carolina, 63, Tennessee, 59. The Gamecocks were like 14-point underdogs at tip-off. Tennessee had been beating everybody, for the most part, badly in that building. Had beaten Alabama recently by, I believe, 20 points. And South Carolina, I don't even think they went in there and stole one. They just kind of beat them for 40 minutes.
1: Man, um, South Carolina, this is the game where not not just your NCAA tournament Fate is almost sealed. I'm a I'm a stickler when it comes to this lock talk. I am, and I've said this bunch on the show in the past. You're not a lock unless you can literally afford to lose every game, no matter how uh, unlikely it is, and still get in. We're not there, uh, but in all for all intents and purposes, uh, South Carolina, you can stumble plenty of times. You're gonna you're gonna get in here. This is uh, tremendously valuable, according to the KPI, which only inv- values in season data, zero predictive element whatsoever. Um, you can uh, you can check on on the highest rated win you have and the two highest rated wins this season, both involve Tennessee, Tennessee's win at Wisconsin. Cause remember you get a true road win against a top five level, top 10 level kind of team is going to have a carry a lot of value. And then South Carolina actually measures the exact same value. South Carolina at Tennessee. Those are the two best wins on the road per uh, per KPI so far. So you've got that. It's like the highest level quad one when you could possibly ask for, Tennessee was 26 and five in its previous 31 games against South Carolina. I mean, this was so one-sided and understandably so. Uh, South Carolina had not won a road game. This got s- sent around a lot on Tuesday and rightfully so because it had been a while. 1997, March two of 1997 i didn't realize this till i saw pat 40 tweet it it was kentucky it was the last home game patino ever coached at kentucky march 2nd 97 uh south carolina went on the road on a sunday and beat kentucky um uh 40 said patino was so pissed off he canceled senior day stuff after the game those are
0: the the types of things you only remember because you were there
1: correct exactly had no idea He's canceled the senior day festivities, man. And he never coached another game at Kentucky. That's wild there. Uh, March 2nd, 1997, by the way. Yeah, I'm going to do that thing where people go back and say this was happening. That was happening. Uh, shouts to the ladies of the world. The top 10 albums on March 2nd,
0: 1997.
1: No doubt. Um, uh, well, 10, Blue by Leanne Rimes. 9, Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. 8, the Avita soundtrack. 7, Celine Dion falling into you. 6, Spice by the Spice Girls. 5, Secrets, Tony Braxton. Four, Pieces of You, Jewel. Three, No Doubt, Tragic Kingdom. Here we go. It's was close. Close. Two, Erica Badu, Baduism. And then number one, Unchained Melody, Leanne Rhymes. Uh, uh, to the kids out there, before there was Taylor Swift, there was Leanne Rhymes, And she was a deal in 1997. No doubt about that.
0: Did she, she still somebody's husband or is somebody still her husband? I have no idea. Somebody's husband got I, taken. Yeah, I, I can't think. give
1: you an update. Uh, I can't give an update on that. Number one movie at that time, actually... Oh, uh, I was a sophomore in high school, and had we had one buddy who had a license, and he was supposed to go see. Remember when the uh, Star Wars movies got re released in the theaters in the '90s? That was like a thing. Sure, sure. So, uh, Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back was in the theater, and uh, it was a Friday, and our buddy was supposed to take us. And this is before cell phones. He just never showed up, and we had we had pre you had to like pre purchase tickets to make sure you wanted to get in. There's no cell phones, or none of that. So, this is the one time where I can say, I walked, dude, it was, I lived in Vermont. It was snowing. I'll never forget it. We walked from our high school to the movie theater. And it was, we like cut across highways, probably like five, four and a half, five miles to go watch this damn movie. It, it brought a memory that I forgot that I had when I looked, I was like, what was the number one movie? The last time South Carolina won on the road against the top five team. It was that movie. I'll never forget Remem- that.
0: Remember when, when somebody could say, Hey, I'm on, I'm on my way to your house. And then they just never show up and there's nothing you can do about it. And it was just like, hey, you're going to come over tomorrow,
1: right? And then you just expect it to probably happen. And then, you know, you could make the
0: phone call. Let's not we're not in the
1: carrier pigeon area. But I know I remember
0: one day in high school, I lost my girlfriend for like a whole day. (laughs) <laughs> I, I didn't know where she was for like a whole day, and there was nothing I could do about it.
1: How long was she your girlfriend after that, by the way? Just get curious. Oh, probably about th- you know two more weeks. Yeah, yeah. there might be some, uh, <laughs> some. Factor. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think I know where yeah. she was. Yeah, we I think need- I know where she was. But the point was, it was like yeah. she's supposed to be here, but she's not. But I don't like. What am I supposed to do? Call the police? <laughs> you know, like you can't text her. Like you can't. She's not at home. What are you supposed to do? That's a tough one. Like yeah, there that was tough. a t- there was a point in my adult life where yeah. if you didn't know where somebody was, there was nothing you could do. I mean, about you
1: just, you, just you, you sat there and you took it. <laughs> you just sat
0: there, and took it. <laughs> there. it
1: really was. Like there was there was no. I'm gonna text them. It's been 20 minutes. I'm gonna text them again or call. none of that. None of that.
0: You couldn't. You couldn't like. You couldn't follow them on life. Three sixty five or whatever that's called. Nothing. You just had to you just had to not know. You just had to not know stuff a lot of the time.
1: Those were those were the those were the days, man. Or or were they? All right. Um South Carolina, Taylon Cooper, eighteen points. BJ Mack had sixteen. Um South Carolina had not been a top five team period since. Devin Downey, of course. It was uh, 2010. Uh, The win over Kentucky last week was not a top 10 win. The thing that impressed me here, and credit to Dalton Kodak, too, continues to be absurd. um, And he almost almost saved Tennessee. In fact, him even getting Tennessee to 59, GP, was outstanding because Tennessee walked into the game averaging 79-plus per night, held to 59 points on its home floor by South Carolina. Incredible. And uh, credit to Elias Sports for this stat. The last time South Carolina beat two top... This is one hell of a get by Elias. South Carolina, the last time it beat two top 20 teams in a three-game stretch was against Duke and Carolina in 1968 when they did it in back-to-back games. Yeah, that's right, folks. South Carolina, sharing territory with North Carolina and Duke back in the back in the 60s there. It had been that long. Big time up to Lamont Paris. Um, when you have a, a win like this on a good night... A lot of people watching, uh, media people following along, commenting, talking about it on Inside College Basketball and all that good stuff, talking about it on a podcast. Uh, you'll have like, hey, Lamont, Lamont Paris, like he's could be the coach of the year. And he is on the top five, unquestionably. Shaka Smart, although he did not win it at CBS Sports last year, Dusty May did after he made the Final Four. Shaka Smart went from being picked almost last in the Big East to win in the, the regular season. And he obviously got a, a ton of run for coach of the year, South Carolina, South Carolina pick last Carolina. in the sec. And now it's sitting there at 18 and three winning at Tennessee. Only the second time this season, a top five team is lost on the uh, lost at home. The other one was trivia time. Hmm. Other time a, a team top five in at the moment lost at home this season. Only other, only one other time.
0: Top five team lost at uh, Michigan state. James Madison. First, Game in the opening night. Then it's two other times. <laughs> um Okay. Yeah, that, that's what it
1: is. That's what it is here. Uh, that was. So it's the third time because it was the first instance since Duke lost at home to Arizona. There you go. It lost earlier in that week. So we have three instances here. Top five teams dropping. But it had been a while. South Carolina got it done. On
0: I got South Carolina um up to 15th in the top 25 and one. Like at some point, I don't care what your Ken number is. You know, I'm just you're 18 and three, six and two in the SEC, four game winning streak. Um, you're four and one in Quadrant One, three and zero in Quadrant Two, so seven and. Uh, let me make sure I've got it right. I want to make get these numbers right. Um, the the resume is now it's it's good. I mean, it's it, let me find them here. They are now. Well, this is great. Do you need me to bring it up? Well, I had notes, and as I was reading through them, it it looked like I had them wrong. Seven and two in the first two quadrants. That's right. With one loss in quadrant three, four quadrant one wins. Um, So five games above 500 in the first two quadrants. I don't love the quadrant three loss, but like it is what it is. Uh, The four quadrant one wins, that's the same number as Kansas and North Carolina. Um, It's more than Tennessee. Iowa State it's more than Illinois they they've they got a a, a a nice resume the computer numbers are it's starting to catch up I've got South Carolina 15th in the top 25 and one and if you want to argue I should maybe even have them a little higher'll I'll listen to that there there this is a, a really nice surprising season uh from from the second year coach,
1: With twice as many Q1 dubs as Kentucky right now. The, yeah. uh, the results based metrics, obviously like South Carolina a lot, as you would think, 18 and three power conference, what they've done so far predictors, not nearly as in, but, uh, but they, uh, they keep it going and they're going to have really something special there. That's uh, we talked about Georgia tech and it having a few highs. South Carolina doesn't even have that. Um, this program has made the tournament once since 2004. Coincidentally enough, it was 2017 um, under Frank Martin. That's the only tournament run in the past 20 years for South Carolina. Uh, that year, final four was in Glendale as it will be this year. I don't, I don't know if Lamont Paris can pull that off, but uh, some good juju. They're going to get back to the tournament. That's not, they are one of the least uh, uh, frequent power conference programs to be in the tournament ever. They're like in the bottom five all time for appearances. Uh, I don't, I, I don't have it in front of me. I think they've only been in nine tournaments, maybe. I think that's right. I don't know if they've been uh, tournaments have been played since thirty nine GP. I think South Carolina's gone nine times.
0: No, so. what, what, what? If you do, if you run the research yeah. on it, and yeah. I know you've done this in in various ways over the years, but people like to talk about you know what are the toughest power conference jobs, and so you know, say Penn State in the Big Ten or Washington State uh, in the Pac twelve or uh, maybe Boston College in the ACC. South Carolina in the SEC is on that list somewhere.
1: Uh, you can make the historic case that it's South Carolina Vandy at the bottom for toughest, Mississippi's Mississippi's also there. Uh, Mississippi's yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of them. Um, but I, I, but I was right. It is just nine. They made their first one in 71. Uh, the chat rightfully noted, um, you know, that's also a longtime member of the ACC founding member of the ACC before it wound up, uh, seceding if you will, and, and leaving and, uh, ultimately becoming a member of the SEC in the past, uh, number of decades there. But yeah, just, uh, just nine all time appearances and, um, and this is going to be ten. I, I they might even take a few. I they'll probably take a couple losses here. They're going to be kind of eh. They're going to have more than enough to uh, to get it done. I'll also note um, in the SEC, the, uh, South Carolina is eighteen three. Mississippi is as well, one eighty six eighty two. In, uh, in and I guess I don't know. I don't know if the basketball version is called Egg Bowl. I think we actually took care of that with a uh, w- with uh, Marquette in Wisconsin.
0: <laughs> I think we decided to call Marquette Wisconsin the Egg Bowl.
1: Egg Bowl. What, what do we call it? The uh, Egg Bowl Bedlam. Yeah. yeah Egg Bowl
0: Bedlam. Yeah. I had a
1: much, I had a much better name for it. I just can't remember. Well, now I, Egg Bowl Bedlam is. Yeah, of course. Um, it should be T-shirt. Mississippi is also eighteen and three at this point. Its metrics aren't as good as South Carolina. It is stacked. I, as a
0: as a Mississippian, America. can I can I please? Oh, it's say it say what it's Ole Miss yeah I know what what's from? The they don't like it down here when you say Mississippi why I never really talked to them about it I just know that okay. they don't well, you
1: know what the the, the name of the the, of the institution is the University of Mississippi so if we, I, if I know I know but like no no don't do this thing we're like what's it like Virginia Tech Tech hates it when you call Va Tech just just live with it okay okay
0: horns down to you yeah, exactly. Horns down. To you, know to,
1: you know what that gets to when 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 the Mississippi people have an issue, then you start getting called old piss. So let's that, that work right. out for you so well.
0: I, I will say this there is nobody who has ever graduated from from Mississippi who says I graduated from Mississippi. You say I graduated from Ole Miss or the University of Mississippi. Nobody says I went to Mississippi. Okay.
1: Well, it's a good one last night by Mississippi. I'll Mississippi
0: was good last night.
1: I'll also note and this isn't a complaint, just merely an observation. About, I turned in turned in last night, but just before I was getting ready to, to close up the lapper, I, I noticed GP finally chimed in on a on a good night in college hoops. Finally chimed in on the tweet machine. Mm-hmm. The, a, an interesting stat, a thought on South Carolina's big win, you know Marquette Nova, which we're going to get to. Carolina, Georgia Tech, any any just you know national college basketball voice, right? No, my guy just, uh, he shared a video of an Ole Miss student with a balloon being a long schlong. And that was (laughs) your commentary for College Hoops on the Night.
0: Yeah. I I I think the hashtag was come to the sip. Come to the sip. Okay. Come to the sip. We're recruiting to the sip. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We got got incredible cost of living down here. You'd really enjoy it. You'd really enjoy it. Um, You'd enjoy parts of it. You would enjoy the cost of living. That might be it, but you would enjoy you would in, enjoy that. I I don't even know if it's inappropriate or not. I just I like I think it's funny when people pretend that something is their dingaling and wave it around. <laughs> I don't know if it's appropriate, but I think it's funny every time. Dingaling, yeah, that's the uh, dingaling. You drop a
1: Uh So what
0: we had was these two fellas, uh, presumably Ole Miss students, and buddy, they look exactly like Ole Miss students. Like exact, like if you were trying to if you were casting for Ole Miss students, they, this is where you're going. And they got their balloons in their. Pl- I like, I like, I like, I th- I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm not saying. I do that sometimes funny. myself, even I'm at this age. And it's not funny. I'm, saying I'm just weird. saying, like, have I been to a children's birthday party in the past year and pretended a you long can- balloon was my dingling. Have I done that in the past year? Probably. You'll definitely. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I've definitely it's done times,
1: that. Times a year. Chris Beard's former team, by the way, quick, uh, Quick rewind rewind to Monday. Houston 76, Texas
0: 72. Horns down. Horns down. Horns down. Horns down. to them. Shouts to Jamal Shedd. Proud graduate of Manor High School. 13 miles from the Moody Center. Comes back home. 25 points. Do you see his quotes afterwards? It was good. No. They, sure. they asked him, you know, because it was homecoming. He like we he, he grew up 13 miles from Texas's campus. So I guess and and now, you know, because of uh, Houston moving to the Big 12 one year before Texas moves to the SEC in Jamal Shedd's fourth year. of He gets this opportunity to go back home and play 13 miles from where he went to high school. And so I guess naturally people are like, so did you, you know, when you were growing up in the Austin area, did you always dream of going to Texas? And he said, no. And do you know, okay, I'm going to trivia time. Okay. Jamal Shedd said he never dreamed of going to Texas. Why? Because the follow-up question is, why not? Why did, why not? Why do you think he never dreamed of going to Texas?
1: um i did not see the quote uh i will say i will say because texas is interesting and on the football side and the hoop side um in texas as kellen sampson recently told me uh it's got a humongous fan base obviously university of texas uh old tex i think they call it there too by the way um you either are, are for old Tex or you hate Texas. So it is Texas against the world when it considers Texas its own world. And frankly, people and tech, many people do. So I'm going to say he said no, because he grew up hating Texas. Like maybe he had family that went somewhere else. That's my that's my guess.
0: Perfectly reasonable guess. You know what he said? And I'm paraphrasing here, but this is what he said. I never dreamed of going to Texas because I never thought I'd be good enough to go to Texas. All right. Well, there's <laughs> believe in yourself, young
1: man, and anything is possible.
0: It's It's the most like. It, like everybody's like, I, yeah, I always believed in myself. And he kind of was like, I really didn't, <laughs> you know, he said, so, and then they were like, why he, because he committed to Houston, like may, like at the end of his junior year of high school or right at the beginning of his summer before his senior year of high school. So early. Mm-hmm. And they're like, so why Houston? He said, the first school that showed interest in me is the one that got me. <laughs> It was just like, it sounds like Houston was just like, man, we like him. he was like, cool, let's do it. He was ranked 191st in the class of 2020. Uh, so in fairness to Texas, mm-hmm. uh, and Smart was the coach at the time. They, they, they almost never signed players at Texas ranked 191st in the country. It's just not really where they're looking too often. So this isn't one of those where like, what were they doing? He was a little guard ranked 191st in his class. Um, but I thought it was funny that. I he never it. dreamed of going to Texas because he didn't think he'd be good enough. And then he comes into Texas as a fourth year player for the team ranked number one in the net and Ken Pom and everywhere else and goes and gets 25 in an overtime victory. Horns down.
1: Yeah. And he is at worst a second team All-American as we get ready to to tip over into February here. Good job by him. Houston uh, gets it done on the road. Texas loses an opportunity at home. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Part of why I wrote that thing with the court report, by the way, is I thought, well, maybe Duke top 10 team will get picked off of Virginia Tech, which it had done like five of the previous six meetings, or Houston would get knocked off of Texas. Both top 10 teams won on the road on Monday. You mentioned Shaka Smart. Let's talk about his current team. 85-80 win at Villanova. Uh, They got out to a 20-point first half lead. It looked ugly early. Credit to Nova. They battled back. They got a four-point lead midway through the second half. Um, but you know what? Did you see? Uh, did you see this? This tweet from from Dick Weiss. Did you see this? Like,
0: <laughs> Tyler Coe.
1: Just oh, you saw it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Hoops Weiss a legend. I mean, I there's been a whole bunch of stuff going on in social media over the past couple of days that has had me laughing uncontrollably. <laughs> I mean, buddy, I've been giggling a lot. I mean, woo! I've been giggling a lot. The group texts have been something else over the past couple of days. But did 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 hoops take it to another level with that tweet? Of course. Did I did I actually like the ratio of how often people LOL relative to how often they say they LOL is is like it's not right. All right. But I'm telling you, that tweet popped up on my computer and I actually LOL. I, I love hoops. I uh, love
1: them. just a legend. Just a and- legend. I love this. Just Tyler Kolick. That's all you need to know. But I will explain with a few more. Words. Tyler Kolick had a career best. 32 points along with eight boards, uh, a few steals and over. You know, Marquette didn't have Cam Jones in the game because of an ankle. They don't have Sean Jones for the rest of the season. Chase Ross did return, which was uh, which was which was big there. And Marquette's now peeled off five straight wins. And as I said on HQ earlier in the day, I thought this game was actually important for Marquette, which I like Marquette's not going to be a one seed, but the idea that it could get a two seed is not. And that's what I had last season. That's not off the table. It's just got a win on the road against quad one level teams in the league. And this qualifies, even though Villanova is just uh, spinning in the wind and we will get to Nova in just one second. I, I thought this was important to Marquette's hopes of getting it to it. Might not get it to, but it's not, it's not out of the question. And to do this, and they'll peel off five in a row, and they're also in this stretch here, Marquette is, where it's playing six out of eight games on the road in Big East play, um, which is obviously a, uh, just a huge ask. So they're they're going to take a loss here relatively soon, you would think, just because yeah, that's going to pile up. There's going to be compound impact. Uh, but good on them. And then uh, uh, ear here, I guess, because uh, Marquette beat writer Ben Steele also had this great quote from Kolik at the at the at the podium because he costs a lot. He does. He does cost a lot. But like you know. It's near the end of the game. The game is basically, uh, it was decided like Kolik was at the line to ice it. Um, but Villanova basically had like no chance to win. And, and I don't know how this started, but it's been a thing now. I don't, I can't remember how it started. Marquette fans know. I just don't remember. But the Nova student section is chanting. You can't read. You
0: can't read. <laughs> you can't read.
1: And so, uh, Kolik said afterward, we come on the road and they're yelling, and again, earmuffs. They're yelling. I can't read. They're yelling. Where were you, January sixth? All this. Shit. I love that stuff. Info.
0: Is Tyler Col-
1: <laughs> just incredible, man? Is Tyler Colic a capital Stormer? I, I don't think. so. I, he, I think he was. A, I think he was a student at George Mason when January sixth happened. Maybe there's. Maybe there's. Maybe there's a little bit of. A-
0: Does he have that reputation? Because you know, there's some people in sports where you're like. Oh yeah, I know. I, I I know what he was up to on January sixth. Is Tyler Kolick Does he have that reputation? You I know, don't know. I
1: don't, I don't believe so. But the fact
0: the fact that he's at the fresh air going,
1: they're yelling, <laughs> where were you <laughs> January sixth? All this shit. I love that stuff. <laughs> wow. Never like changed, man. You are an incredible, incredible quote. We're
0: gonna have to wash his mouth out with soap Sunday though. Whatever, man. He's he's tremendous. And you ever that, had your mouth was- washed out with soap?
1: Uh, I have, actually, yes. It's been a, been a minute, but yes. When I was younger, I did. I did Isn't I
0: did it wild? Did your parents actually shove a bar of soap in your mouth? Uh, it, was, it
1: wasn't a shove so much as you're going to open your mouth, you're going to put this bar of soap in your mouth for 30 seconds and live with it, and then... <laughs> imagine I I, and I I can dude i haven't thought about that or thought about the taste of that in forever and i to be honest i 100 percent deserved it uh, and if i deserved it we know you deserved it but i'm thinking like eight years old or so uh have not will not ask my children to wash their mouths out with soap
0: yeah that. my kid my boy my kids could sure use it i tell you you start playing Fortnite, you, you're gonna start talking like tyler Kolick before long every once in a while <laughs> all right um, but I, yeah, I don't, I, I can't envision me putting a bar of soap in my kids' mouth, although I do think it would be funny. <laughs> you know, the problem is, they would probably think it's funny. They probably think it's hilarious. Like, what are you trying to put a bar of soap in my mouth, weirdo? And then they'd call me Bob, then they'd say I look like a penis.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, the, uh, parenting, you're excelling for sure. Um, yeah. quick, on, quick on Nova, and then you can give me your thoughts on the game. Uh, 11 and 10 now. Ooh. And I said this last night on my late night HQ hit. Um, the only silver lining I can give you, Villanova fans, is that. And it's not even the resume point like you're going to have to win a lot of games. The, the losses are piling up. You, you've played a lot of quad one games. I get all that. and You have some high end wins, but there's too many losses like you're not near the tournament conversation right now um, I, because of who's on the roster. Like it's not unthinkable that we get to the biggest tournament and whether you're the you're the five seed or the six or the seven or the eight or wherever you are, you um, that we look up on that Saturday championship night and Villanova's playing for the auto bit. Like, I still think that kind of stuff is on the table and maybe they get it together in February. Like, they're still good enough. They have the roster. I think a lot of the frustration with Villanova fans is like, come on, man. Like, there's... Okay, maybe we're not going to be able to continue being like a top three team in the Big East right now this season, which is another issue altogether we've talked about before. Villanova fans... Their, their program was running the Big East, OK, running the Big East, operating as a top five program in the sport. And now it's gone from that to in, in a year and a half. It's just dropped so precipitously that it's like we can't have this. We can't have a situation where we were the bully of the league. And even if we allow some air and space for Marquette and UConn to sit at the table with us, we need to be at the table. Villanova's not the, at the table now. They've completely dropped off. But I still think you've got the roster. In fact, you know, the only good news for Villanova last night, they could have used these guys. The only good thing about Villanova that happened on Tuesday night in basketball was these three fellas right here popping up on the screen. Not us bringing it up. I thought this was going to be so beautiful. Those guys. Oh, the, the Knicks on Tuesday, Brunson went for 29 and eight. Josh Hart had a triple double tens across the board. Ten, ten, ten. DiVincenzo said a personal career best with nine threes made. Went for thirty-three points. Those dudes all play for the Knicks. It was actually it's and for Nova fans who are aware of this. If you're a general college fan, you might not have been clued into what uh, what the Knicks were doing. This this was really like this right here that you see on the screen. That was like the come on man. We just dropped and had to have it home game against Marquette. And then all these dudes that won these titles with us, they're all playing together on the same team, and they go for these huge nights. Uh, it's a moment of pride, but a moment of real pain for Villanova fans. Your thoughts on what went down at the Fin?
0: Well, it, it's. I mean, on one hand, like they got back in it and had a chance, but they were down eleven nothing again, weren't they? Just down eleven nothing to UConn. Yeah, that that is
1: part of it. They, they you get behind, and they got the they did they get get the lead. But it's almost like they exerted so much getting back into it. And Marquette was just like, "Now we got the gas to close this out."
0: And it's not like they're incapable of beating good teams. They've got good wins. Um... That's why I, I I like you. Wouldn't rule out them making a run in the Big East tournament. Although I I certainly will not predict it, but I wouldn't rule it out just because I've seen them play well and win. It's just it's not that they can't beat good teams. It's that they can't consistently beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They're five and seven in the first two quadrants, um, but they got three losses in quadrant three. That, I mean that's that's yucky. <laughs> it's more than yucky at this. at 49th this. in the net. And wildly disappointing for the second straight season. And it, yeah, you know, I, I said it last week on Inside College Basketball when I guess St. John's beat Villanova. And one of the points I made is that I'm not, I'm not surprised that St. John's is good under Rick Pitino. I, I always assumed whoever hired Rick Pitino would be good very quickly. What I am surprised is by is that Villanova has gone from one of the most consistently good great successful programs in the sport to something that has been wildly disappointing now, two straight years. And you know we don't have to get into it, but there's one obvious thing that happened in between these things happening. And that's why some Villanova fans are, are concerned right now.
1: Yeah. Five straight losses for Nova lost six of the past seven. The only win is at home against the Paul. That's how uh, tough it is. Nova will play at home against Providence on Sunday. Let's quickly tour around the rest of the whip round because uh, we still got one more break before we got to wrap the show. Another team that, that had a got to have it win that lost at home on, on Tuesday was Ohio State. Chris Holtman's team drops another game. Illinois goes in, gets 23 from Marcus Damask. Now has six games of twenty or more points. He's actually developed into quite the reliable player, man. And uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. also had twenty three in that one. Uh, Illinois goes and gets another quality win, continues to build a really good resume. Uh, but Ohio State losing here and and really slipping. Um, from once being a twelve and two team, and this happened last year. I mean, Ohio State started ten and three, and it finished the season sixteen and nineteen. This year started twelve and two, has now lost six of its past seven, just like Villanova with the one win, just like Villanova at home against a, a complete afterthought of a team in Penn State here. Uh, Buckeyes, um, it is spiraled. They got to play at Iowa on Friday there, and. Uh, Holtman job security, obviously, you know, it's in it's in question now. Um, they're going to switch ADs here coming up. Ross Bjork takes over from Texas A&M for a long time. AD at Ohio State, Gene Smith, who is retiring there. So, yeah, GP, that that was a peacock game. Don't know if you're able to uh, if you tuned. Yeah, in. No, but,
0: I had it on. It was- I had it on. Um, and, you know, it was close in the first half, like back and forth. But then Illinois took control and pulled away. And Ohio State didn't really threaten down the stretch in any sort of meaningful way. Uh, Illinois got, you know, they have three really good players at the top of their roster. And, you know, that's a legitimate final four contender with Ohio state. It just feels like something's off there. Right. It just doesn't feel right. I, I know that's a pretty broad, vague thing to say. It just something's off. Like they,
1: yeah, it, Holtman has lost grasp of whatever he had. It's just not there, and some of it is like some unlucky shooting, without a doubt. Like they've got some weirdly bad shooting performances. Uh, that is, that just isn't coaching related. It's just some bad breaks there. But I, I agree with you, um, and I don't know what it is. I don't even know if that staff can fully understand what it is. But it shouldn't be like this. And I understand the really Ohio State fans are uh, they are fed up at this point. And now that team will need to rally and and reverse this if it wants to get in the tournament. And now it needs to win six of its next seven seems like uh, a little bit of a, of a tall task there. A um, couple get-right outcomes. St. Bonaventure was down 20 in the first half. And it, Nova could not overcome a 20-point deficit to win. Bonaventure did on Tuesday. Beat VCU 67-62. Uh, that's of note because that sets up a huge game, which won't be in the Final 4-1, but we'll talk about it on Friday. Uh, Bonnie's at Dayton big-time A-10 game on Friday. That was a big win for Bonaventure in the A-10. VCU had the longest road streak in the country. Had won an eleven straight. Actually, VCU and UNC. UNC had won seven in a row. Those were the two longest road winning streaks in the country going into Tuesday night. They both went down. We'll wait to McNeese State. And stand up. Central Connecticut State University. They've both won six in a row. Um, big ups to the, uh, the Connecticut State University uh, education system. Uh, Oklahoma, get right game. 73-53 over Kansas State. K-State's lost three straight games. That's tough.
0: Those one are like time. Kansas State. They did enough in the non-league. Yeah. They're the one. They're the ones that got to finish around 500 in the Big 12, and they'll probably be okay. And you got to win. Th- those are the types of games, like the coin flip type of games. At home, you got to get those. And they got blown right. out.
1: One in five against ranked teams this season so far for Kansas right. State. We ta- we've we talked about, like, you know, there are 11 teams moving toward trying to get into the tournament for the Big 12. I don't think there's going to be 11. I think 10 possible. Nine is a lock. Uh, one of those teams that could be boxed out, though. It might be K-State. They got to start getting some big wins. Um, Colorado State also got right last night. GP uh, That game was on our air. CBS Sports Network had lost four of his previous six, all of them on the road. Um, CSU is 11 1 at home. It beat San Diego State 79 71. Uh, Isaiah Stevens was, was tremendous, and uh, Nick Clifford was also very, very good. Those are two best players. Uh, CSU had 11 steals, and they needed that one. They finally got it, um, and good on them. And then last result here Tom Izzo, congrats on your 700th win. Not only win number 700, but did it against your rival, um, as expected, Michigan non competitive, 81 62. Izzo has hit 700 Ws, and uh, I believe he is one of nine active coaches to reach that mark.
0: And we've made a uh, a point to point out some of the unusual stuff that's happened within Michigan's program or with Jawan Howard um, over the years, including the season. I did note that I saw his quote last night about Tom, and you know, Michigan and Michigan State are bitter rivals, and I really like it when the people who lead these programs can be civil, even complimentary of each other because they can't always be that. But I like it when they are and I, I thought it was nice that Juwan last night said hey listen rivalry aside I got a lot of respect for Tom Izzo he's one of the all-time greats and you know um, he's somebody I'm paraphrasing here but he's somebody we all like aspire to be more like and look up to and I just thought I thought it was nice that he said nice things in that moment Juwan's having a tough season Michigan's having a tough season I like that he could set that aside and say something nice about a guy who is one of the all-time greats in the sport
1: Another all time great in the sport is John Calipari at Kentucky. I led my court report this week with a note on Kentucky and its defense. And with the UK getting ready to play another game here, we figured we'd dive into that. So, Nada, before we do that, I believe we are owed one more word from those partners
3: selling a little or a lot.
0: Norlander, like you said, you led this week's court report on Kentucky, and it's not good defense that suggests the Wildcats likely won't win a national title unless they improve on that end. Tell me what you learned. All right, so Ferdinand Magellan.
1: That's right. I got. I,
0: <laughs> I like Ferdinand Magellan. I like DeSoto. Um. Oh man, you don't know nothing about DeSoto. You don't even know where I'm at right now. You know where I'm at right now? Uh, uh, Mississippi. DeSoto oh, County, Mississippi. Ole Miss. DeSoto County, Mississippi. Are you really? There you go. I'm in Hernando, DeSoto. I'm in Hernando. Yeah. The city in DeSoto
1: County. That was a that was a Seinfeld reference that flew over your head, but that's good. Um,
0: yeah, I don't watch Seinfeld. Yeah, I know. I, know. I, I don't quote just, it. I don't watch it. it. Don't quote it. Can't wait for Curb though. Final yeah. season starts Sunday
1: curb on sunday cannot wait uh i drop a seinfeld reference on you about once every six shows i just very very rarely mention that i'm actually doing it that i figured i'd give you a little uh little heads up there jerry and jerry and george at the diner and uh and Jerry likes Magellan. And then he asked George, who do you like? He's like, I like DeSoto. <laughs> okay,
0: no, no, no. no, no. But I, so, well, well, I, hope, I hope people don't think I was trying. I was trying to quote Seinfeld because I wasn't. I had no idea. I just really like Ferdinand Magellan. I enjoy his work.
1: You circled back to Magellan, and I figured I had to uh, I had to invoke it there. Let's talk Kentucky. Okay. Um, so the defense has been an issue. And then I thought, you know what? All right, once and for all, let's see where this, where this stands up. So I reached out to uh, a guy, perhaps you've heard of him, Kenneth Pomeroy. And I said, yeah, I don't okay. I was like, listen, I can I can do the research here, uh, but if you have a way of quickly pulling it up and then saving me, you know, two hours, uh, I'll be forever grateful to you. And he's like, I got you, Norlander. No problem whatsoever. Because the key here is not to look at Ken Palm numbers once tournament play has started. No, 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 no. That is that is infecting the pool
0: you i know but it's it. so much easier to do no
1: but uh, but if you make the final four you have
0: you have you have inflated your numbers. i know but you know how much time you save by doing it that way <laughs> well this is this is the accurate <laughs> way of doing it you I want to know, i it. know it's the right way but that's it's right. so much harder
1: that's why the, that's what the court reports there for people well, ask that's what i tell I mean? people it's when they doing ask it me
0: the right way okay that's what i that's what i tell people when they ask me sometimes people on the streets they'll just be like gp what's the court report for and i'll say it is to shine a light on things you might otherwise not know and to do things the hard way but
1: the right way right well this wasn't the hard way ken pomeroy did the research for me the right way (laughs) okay good thank you to ken he is credited in the piece uh appreciate you bud so much for that so you want to do this the right way you look at where teams are ranked after selection sunday before a tournament game has been played and so Ken Palm's data now goes back to the 1996 1997 season. And the highest, or I should say, the lowest ranked team in defensive efficiency since then to win a national title. So, where you were ranked heading into the tournament was Baylor in 2020 21. And that was even the, uh, the COVID bubble year. Um, only a few teams have been. And didn't
0: ranked- it feel like they were awesome by the end? Well, it
1: was because they had maybe the best defensive player in the country. Yes, Correct. for sure. For sure. In fact, I'll tell you right now, but they did, and they did jump it. So, they were 44th. Baylor was going into the 21 tournament in defensive efficiency. They were they had a they were really good offense. They finished 22nd. So they jumped up and and halved their standing by the end. Again, six wins. It's going to make you look better than you were heading into the tournament. Um, but for the most part, you got to be, for the most part, you got to be a top 30 defense. The teams that have done it that have not been a top 30 defense, Baylor and 21, Duke in 2015, but it had the sixth ranked offense. Um, Carolina, this one was stunning to me. 9 Carolina was uh, was 37th in defense but it was third in offense. Even like your UConns in 11 and 14, like UConn in 14 was a good defensive team. It wasn't that good on offense. In 11, it was 27th on defense, but it was 15 on offense. And then Syracuse, a three seed in 03 was 31st. So those are the only teams. For the most part, you got to be top 25. Obviously, so or many. you got to have
0: Carmelo or somebody like that.
1: Right, exactly. And so many of these teams were ranked top 10 in defensive efficiency. And if you weren't, you had a, a pretty good offense. Now, Kentucky does have a good offense. So the point of leading the court report w- with this was just that it's not that Kentucky can't win a national title. Uh, history suggests that it will not if it doesn't drastically change its defense. Now, Kentucky's going to host Florida here on Wednesday night. So, this leads into Kentucky uh, bringing the Gators in, and hopefully, they can have another good defensive effort because they're actually now, because, you know, the, the way that uh, Pomeroy's algorithm works as it should, Kentucky's 75th right now. It was 70th on Tuesday, but because of whatever happened else around the world, they are now 75th in defensive efficiency. Now, Kentucky was 96th. 96 before the Arkansas game, but the the defense was its second best defensive performance of the season. They won 63, 57 on the road, held Arkansas to 57 points. Um, It jumped them, but they got to do, they need to put together streaks of games where they're holding teams under a point per possession. They need to do that. Otherwise they're not going to win six. And you know, if they don't win the national title, it's not the worst thing in the world, but we see this team that's deep, so talented, so much fun, so much potential. We think, well, yeah, man, that's a national title contender. I'm just telling you right now, it's not. It does not have the defense. It's not close to suggest it can win a national title. But as I put at the end of it, if if you simply would just be like, if you're a Kentucky fan, you're like, you know what, I want to just get us back to a Final Four. It's been nine years. Then you've got hope. Because many teams, and not, you know, a handful, not many, have reached the Final Four, and as GP and I say often on the show, winning four, winning six. That's a huge, huge gap in the tournament. You can win four with a, with, a, with a mediocre defense. The five worst to do it all had worse defenses than Kentucky has right now. Marquette in 03, Dwayne Wade, Tom Crean, they were 80th going into the tournament in defensive efficiency. 21 UCLA, another COVID year. They were 86 when they went from first four to final four. 2000 Carolina, which was an eight seed, was 100th. In defensive efficiency the day after Selection Sunday. VCU, 126, really has the worst statistical profile of any team to make a Final Four. And then last year's Miami team, you, you down, you down, you down, 132nd in defensive efficiency. Last year's Miami team was the worst defensive team in the Ken Palm era since 97 to make a Final Four. So Kentucky can get there. Kentucky can get to Arizona with the defense it has currently, but it will not win six games if it doesn't significantly upgrade itself on that end of the floor.
0: Cause the problem, and I've, I, I don't remember who, like I, I could, somebody said this one time and it just sort of, it's the simplest way to illustrate the point you're making. Like you can get to a final four with a subpar defense or a subpar offense or a subpar team. But the reason we don't see those Cinderella final four teams or those unusual final four teams is, go on and win the national championship almost ever is because once you get there you still got to win two games against teams that are better than you and that's very very difficult to do like you get there and you're like we're here all right can you win two more games you're not supposed to win against two of the best teams in the country because that's what you have to do now and with that kind of defense well then that's where it usually catches up with you
1: and what are those five teams i just mentioned have in common the ones with the subpar defenses that nonetheless made the final oh3 marquette 21 UCLA, 2000 Carolina, 2011 VCU, 2023 Miami. What do they all have in common? None of them won once they got to the final four. They only won four games. They often
0: get blown out.
1: Yeah, and and they get, they get run. So uh, Kentucky might well do it. I don't want to say it can't, but I think it is asking a lot for a team that is just pedestrian on defense to rally in the second half of the season. And I mean, if you want the target, like, you know, top 45. Baylor was 44 and it played in a weird circumstance in a bubble and it won. Right. Other than that it's been a few teams that are hovering around 40. But you want to maybe because of the talent, you know, coaches wanted there before, can you get in that top 45 conversation? If not, um it, it just, it just won't happen. I think there's, I think there is correlation there. I, I really do. Like at a certain point, like you need to be able to prove that you can play high level level defense and Kentucky's a ton of fun. Um, but, uh, but we just got to see it. It did it against Arkansas on the road. Now it hosts Florida. Let's see. Can they put back to back together? You know, games of really, really good defense. That's going to be the key for UK. Once we get to mark.
0: I do think that Baylor team is interesting because I, I think the circumstances matter. They weren't good defensively, but they were in a bubble. That was unusual. I I don't know that it mattered, but, like, it's it's a variable that is different. Absolutely. Okay. They had maybe the greatest perimeter defender in the country, all right? So, even though they weren't great defensively, they had a great defensive player. And in the title game, they played somebody that they athletically overwhelmed. Correct, yeah. And so, I think all of that stuff allowed them to win a national championship with a defense that wasn't great throughout the season. Uh, because they had a great defensive player, they were in the bubble, which might have changed the dynamics of the thing. And and they they were they their opponent in the title game was a, an opponent they were able to just athletically overwhelm, and that was obvious within the first few minutes of that game. You want to look ahead to the next couple of nights?
1: Lay that lay out the uh, the viewing guide for our, for our listeners and viewers for Wednesday and Thursday. What do we got? And I mean, quickly look ahead to the Let's next go. two nights, if
0: you know what I mean. Wednesday night, that's tonight. Providence is at number one, UConn. Northwestern is at number two, Purdue. So the top two teams in the AP poll are at home okay, against. Hold on, hold on.
1: But how many does Purdue win by tonight? Revenge game loss at Northwestern? Oh yeah, I
0: thought, I thought about this. I would lay it. I'd lay it. Do we know the line?
1: I'm going to bring it up real quick. Not for the final four, I'm just out of curiosity. I know we're, we're going to scoot here pretty, pretty
0: quick. This feels like the one where they'll go out and win it by 25.
1: Uh, I- I'm going to, I'm going to how about the classic guess the line? No one's ever done that before. Okay. I, will, I will blindly say the line is Purdue. 40,
0: I'm going to say 14.14.5. 14 I was going to say the same thing.
1: Okay. I was going to say 14.5. Uh, let me bring it up. Uh, Purdue is minus 13. Okay. Uh, I,
0: I would take Purdue to cover. Yeah, let's lay that. Let's lay that number. Florida is at number 10, Kentucky. Boise State's at number 19, New Mexico. So, Another
1: late, late 30. <laughs>
0: New Mexico is unreal in that building,
1: man. <laughs> They're they are crazy good. That's that's a that's a good game. I but. mean,
0: we get we get interesting Mount West games every every midweek and every weekend. now. It's, tr-
1: it's tremendous. It's a fun league. I would like for that to be close. Um, but New Mexico has been awesome in that building. But right. still, nonetheless, one worth watching.
0: Uh, number 24, Alabama is at Georgia. Wonderful football game. We'll see if it's a f- interesting basketball game. I, I feel game. like
1: Georgia's got a. Us- I feel like Georgia's got a shot there, but we'll. But we'll. Yeah,
0: see. this isn't this isn't top ten team on the road against run, unranked opponent, but it is top ten computer team on Maybe the road against unranked opponent, and this is exactly like Georgia's not better than Alabama. Alabama is really good. Georgia can beat Alabama tonight in Georgia. That, that, that's where we're at. Okay. Uh, Thursday night we get uh, number six Wisconsin at Nebraska. By the way, I've got Wisconsin up to number four in the top twenty-five and one now. Like if I had to put a bracket, Wisconsin would be a number one seed. Ooh,
1: uh, you right might be now. the only one. I peeked in on a few
0: projections. I think Palms got him at a two. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think most Well, people- I wouldn't have had him here yesterday. North Carolina would have been my fourth number one yesterday. And but would now- you take okay, okay. Now I move Wisconsin ahead of Carolina. I only moved Carolina down to number five. And I know some fans are going to be really bothered by that. They lost at Georgia Tech. And you only, they. I don't think anybody outside of the top five that has a resume better than North Carolina's. Yeah, North Carolina lost last night. They're still ten and one in their past eleven. Ten and one in their past eleven. They lost in the final ten seconds, and they've got a resume better than everybody other than I think Purdue, UConn, Houston, and Wisconsin. But I do have Wisconsin four, Carolina five right now. Wisconsin. Oh, I move you into the top five, and you got to go to Pinnacle Bank.
1: Uh, Shouts to Borzello for this. Uh, this is crazy. So I will I will finally concede that you don't just walk into Pinnacle Bank if Nebraska wins tonight. Because right now Nebraska is plus 59 and 5 and 0 at home. It's minus 72 and 0 and 5 on the road in Big Ten play. It, Buddy, can, wow. can, it can't walk into any place that isn't pinnacle. I and, was way uh, ahead of the curve on this. I think I invented this. I, it, it's bolted the doors on Pinnacle Bank there. I will concede if Nebraska pulls this off against against Bucky on Thursday.
0: At what point do I at what point do I get invited to Nebraska? as the person who first recognized that Pinnacle Bank is insurmountable.
1: I don't, I don't have that answer
0: for me. I'm like the Ferdinand Magellan of discovering <laughs> the difficulty of winning as a visitor in Pinnacle Bank.
1: I can't believe you're gonna turn your back on DeSoto like this though, by the way. Discover
0: the Mississippi. Discover I know but I think I think if you, you get into her, her name I her think name name if you get into DeSoto's kind of Wikipedia of I think if you get into DeSoto's Wikipedia page you're gonna find some some stuff you're not comfortable with. <laughs>
1: Okay, you are you are more familiar than than I heard. H- I DeSoto. think you go find some stuff. You might not like. I, think I accidentally just called him Ferdinand DeSoto, <laughs> <laughs> he Hernando. But anyway, continue. And you live in Hernando, Mississippi. You got DeSoto written all over you. By the there's way, there's a way, lot. Getting-
0: there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Should you even be on this podcast? I Do don't know. Okay. I don't. I'm, we're going to have to release a. St- I'm going to have to release a 40 second video later tonight, apologizing.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: let's go. Oregon at USC? that's
1: that's that's thursday night as well yeah the usc is uh, that's a tough one that's all i got i think uh solid next two nights uh enjoy it friday we will have friday 9 a.m eastern we will have a loaded show uh regardless of what happens here um wednesday night and thursday uh Saturday we have the biggest weekend in the sport coming up the, that mid-December weekend was huge and I thought it was going to be the best because of the matchups this one's even more historic four top ten teams meeting um, it's never happened on a regular season weekend in the history of the sport we will save all of that chatter for Friday but until then uh, if you want to read the court report we'll link it here in the pod- podcast description we are now on uh, the last day of January if you've got buddies um, guys and gal pals who like college hoops, but you don't know if they listen to podcasts, please be sure to spread the word. Continue to uh, to get us out there. We appreciate you. Fun little Wednesday chat with you, GP, and uh, we'll, t- we'll talk on Friday.
0: Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M legend. Shouts to Huck, Larnell, Ferdinand Magellan, and Hernando DeSoto. He did some good things. He did some good things, too. Right, let's just keep it moving. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. Ferdinand Magellan, clearly one of us.
3: Okay, sure.
0: No, no doubt in my mind. All right, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. That needs to be reflected in the comments, so please do that. We'll talk to you again on Friday morning. Till then, take care.